Welcome to Biota Live. I'm Tom Barbley, and this is a continuation of the Biota Podcast. For more information on the Biota Podcasts, check out biota.org slash podcast. We have two callers on the line. Hello, first caller. This is Larry Yeager. Hi. Hi, Larry. Good, good to talk to you. We have a second caller on the line who I believe is Bruce Damer. That's right. Hello, Bruce. Hello. Hello, Larry. So we have only very brief news and notes uh, before we get into this evening's continuing show topic with with Larry. Um, The next episode, January 23rd, 8 p.m. Pacific, Zan Gill, like Larry, will return. And I've asked Zan to talk about artificial life and the environmental movement. This was something that she touched on briefly in her last appearance on Biota Live and also something which she talked about to slightly greater length at the Greater meeting in San Francisco. But I wanted her to talk a little bit more about her ideas with regards to how artificial life and the environmental movement are inextricably interconnected, and I'm sure she will provide a, a number of insights, and probably even more than uh, when she talked to Grayson. Bruce, you were at that Grayson meeting, weren't you? Yes, indeed. So I think it'll be interesting to hear what uh, what Zan has to say, particularly with regards to her changing thinking and interlinking with her other aspects, which she talked about uh, when she was last on Bias Live. And February the 6th, this is one for Bruce to attend as well, Mark Badeau will be on. This is his first appearance on Bias Live, but I think we had him on probably about two years ago now with regards to a Bias interview. And a number of topics again to discuss with Mark. I think obviously uh, his recent book that Bruce is now a, a, a scholar of, what was his is it Proto-Life? Is that his most recent book? It's a Proto-Cells uh, Bridging Non-Living and Living Matter. Right. Proto-Life is his company. So he'll have an opportunity to give us all an update with regards to wet artificial life, what he's doing with Proto-Life specifically, and possibly also discuss one of the topics that we're going to be discussing with Larry this evening with regards to the curriculum of artificial life as it's being taught in, in various universities, because I think... Certainly the Artificial Life Journal can uh, lead the field or at least the discussion with regards to that topic. So it will be wonderful to have Mark on Biota Live. So if folks want to call in on that one, it's February the 6th, 8 p.m. Pacific, we'll have Mark Badeau. So at the end of last year, I asked for feedback. This is obviously the second year of Biota Live, and we got a lot of feedback in, a lot of interesting, a lot of positive feedback. And one piece of feedback that uh, amused me slightly was the idea of algorithms and blues. And algorithms, obviously, we're going to discuss a little bit more with Larry this evening, but the idea that uh, some of what we do in Bios Live is, is fundamentally about the poor and oppressed artificial life developer, and that certainly uh, made me chuckle a little, and I passed it on to others in the community as well. I think what we're trying to do with Bios Live currently is, is talk about the current state of the art, the current developers, what their experiences are and, and motivations towards the future. And whilst some of that may seem a little bleak, I know we talked about the artificial life winter towards the end of last year, and no doubt these kind of topics will be coming through, particularly quality of life issues, these kind of things. I think it's important to have this discussion in order to move the, the, whole, uh, you know, the whole thing forward in a productive direction. So we'll try to tone down some of the blues elements with regards to this year's Biota Live, uh, but it may come up through general discussion. So, Bruce, I received uh, three videos from you and your uh, comrades uh, this week with regards to I Am Darwin. Would you like to talk a little bit more about your I Am Darwin videos? Yeah, uh, you've got one from myself, uh, Alan Lundell, who, of course, is the, uh, my friend and neighbor and co-founder of the Digibarn Museum. 
and Nick Herbert, who's a well-known physicist and author, uh, and we decided to do th- three of three of, the, three of these at once, and I think they'll really fit what you're trying to do. Certainly, and I predicted uh, both Al and Nick's uh, videos would be controversial, and certainly by the star ratings, I think folks have, uh, have felt Nick's instigation. I mean, I think people should check out i-am-darwin.org to get the three videos. We also got a, a submission last night from a, a young film producer in New York, which I thought was very nice, and also by his own Jeffrey Ventrella, we've eased the requirements, um, particularly from Bruce's three submissions. So you can see some of the other formats that people are starting to submit in for the I Am Darwin videos. And uh, Larry, does this sound like something that you'd want to do? Uh, indeed, I was actually glancing at a few of those um, just before calling in and uh, thinking, oh gosh, I ought to get around to doing this. Terrific. Yeah, it'd be wonderful to have you on the... Uh, on the side, and certainly some of your cohorts at Indiana, I think, could probably also uh, create some quite impressive I Am Darwin videos, particularly now people are inserting their own graphics and inspiration. I think there's a, a lot of visualization potential through the, the videos coming up. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I, I was thinking it might be nice to to throw a little bit of Polyworld visualization, interweave it somehow. I have no idea what will come out, but we'll see. That's the nature of the experiment, I think. So Bruce, are you going to be in are you going to be in London for Darwin's birthday? Yes, uh, there's a big event being organized by Rachel Armstrong at I'm not huh. sure the location is part of the Bartlett School, uh, University of London, and she was talking about some major location in London, but it's it's uh, it's uh, an event right on the evening of uh, the February 12th of Darwin's 200th birthday. Yes, I'm not sure. I don't think we'll be recording a Biota Live um, in that week, our Biota 6th, and then we have one following that. Um, but certainly, as I was thinking about the, the, the dream list of folks that I'd like to have on this year's uh, Biota Live, obviously Chris Langton and Richard Dawkins are uh, long-time attempts at, uh, at getting both of them on. Do you get a sense that you'll be communicating with Dawkins this year, Bruce? I think I will. I think that the Evil Grid project will get sufficiently developed that perhaps in the fall I'll take a trip up to Oxford and hope to have tea with him again, if, that can, if that's possible these days. Well, I was looking at his Wikipedia entry and also the Wikipedia entry with regards to the blind watchmaker, and both of them had been expunged in terms of his uh, you know, founding father or at least founding participant status associated with artificial life. So... Maybe this is a shout-out to the Biota community that if folks want to uh, look at those two Wikipedia entries and make noticeable corrections, uh, uh, either that or maybe, um, you know, maybe his legacy is moving away from artificial life. Larry, you've, you've talked about meeting Richard Dawkins in the past. What's your sense with regards to his impact on the artificial life community? Well, it was huge on me. Um, at that very first artificial life conference that Chris Langton organized uh, back at Los Alamos, uh, Richard was one of the speakers, and um, he uh, was very inspiring and, and lots of interesting ideas about, um, as people were talking about you know, life existing at the edge of chaos, uh, I think it was uh, Richard who said something about, um, in fact, a key uh, aspect of living systems that they may be constantly evolving to have greater evolvability, and that was kind of pictured as spiraling up this uh, edge of chaos uh, uh, it was a lovely image and, and very inspiring. I, 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 I've also spoken with him specifically about uh, Polyworld because uh, 
uh, when I was I was doing that for Alan Kay and the Vivarium program, and Richard Dawkins was was an advisor to to the program. So we got a chance to sit and talk about it. Very very early days, and uh, there's still a, a miscegenation function in there that was kind of his at his behest. Um, so uh, I, I know that uh, you know he has expressed an interest. Oh, as a matter of fact, he wanted to use video from Polyworld at his um, Royal Society Christmas lectures, and I prepared a tape for him and sent it off. And they had a failure of the um, the uh, VCR that would translate NTSC into uh, um, uh, their video format, and uh, so it ended uh, into a PAL format, and so it ended up not being able to be used. It was very I was very depressed over that, but um, so I know he's had an interest in it in its early days. Could you explain what you mean by um, his the, his artificial life things being expunged from Wikipedia? I, a little background on on what was there and what isn't there anymore. Well, I track this um, kind of passively, but certainly, I mean, when you think about the blind watchmaker, that is, uh, you know, pretty well a turning point in the number of artificial life developers thinking, and also quite explicitly in artificial life related text. Um, it struck me as quite strange that uh, I, I recall reading previously artificial life references in the Blind Watchmaker article in Wikipedia, but certainly with regards to Dawkins' own entry, uh, there used to be a number of uh, links backwards and forwards into the artificial life section of the Wikipedia entry and actually had explicit tags. Um, for uh, Richard Dawkins from Artificial Life back into his own entry. So I don't know. This thing evolves in a very curious ways. We have obviously um, had Jay Lemon on the podcast quite a while back, and I've had some correspondence with Jay associated with Jeffrey Ventrella's entry. It's a very curious thing, Wikipedia. I think the current state associated with Artificial Life in particular has a number of gaping holes and certainly doesn't give a coherent history over the period of time that uh, certainly you started developing Polyworld and I started developing Noble Ape. I mean, the 90s are pretty well eliminated and I think even the, uh, you know, the later projects don't feature as heavily as they could. Hmm. But ultimately, I think in some part, the responsibility goes back to the community. I mean, my correspondence with Jeffrey and uh, John P. Daigle and Jay Lemon associated with Jeffrey's own work um, related to who was making these edits and how these edits were being made. And certainly whilst there is history, there is history associated with pseudonyms and IP addresses, and it's impossible to track a coherent sense of what is actually going on with regards to all these entries. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know... You should try a wiki scanner. Uh, a, a student of mine, uh, Virgil Griffith, who's off now at... Uh, who gave that Google talk on Polyworld and is now at uh, Caltech Computational Neuroscience uh, Group, uh, also did Wikiscanner, I think that's the name of it, uh, that thing that lets you uh, uh, look at articles in there and find people who've edited it, look for, uh, and, and it does backtraces on IP addresses and finds out who's editing what. So there are two problems with that. Firstly, Wikiscanner typically um, works towards corporate IP addresses, but when you have a, a hobbyist community that have varying Internet addresses and particularly... Oh, sure. With regards to, I mean, if it's coming from Dawkins' own community, if it's coming it from just people against Dawkins, I mean, it's impossible to track this kind of stuff. The second problem is with regards to the deletion of entries. And I can't remember whether Polyworld has maintained a coherent Wikipedia uh, link. It has been maintained certainly over the period of time that I've tracked it most recently. 
But a problem that Jeffrey was having was that every project that he'd worked on, including um, there.com and a wide variety of other uh, non-artificial life-specific um, entries, had a history of, of being deleted and reinstated and deleted again and then reinstated. <laughs> and I don't know how effective Wikiscanner would be with regards to the reinstatement, but this is a kind of you know, behind-the-scenes politicking associated with just maintaining a coherent history associated with artificial life. So there are half a dozen of us that do track these things, but I found it particularly strange looking at, uh, you know, the current entry for Dawkins and also the Blinds Watchmaker that there was no discussion associated with artificial life in either of those entries. But just also talking about, uh, you know, founding folk that I would like to get back in the conversation, you mentioned last time you were on, Larry, that you use... Um, Chris Langton's papers as kind of uh, bookends to either side of your course. Do you? That's right. Do you have current communication with Chris Langton? Do you get a sense of his willingness to, you know, interact with something like Biota Live? Well, actually, I'm pretty sure Chris would would not be interested in doing it. He's kind of he's just gone a different direction with his life, and um, there were some issues that I really don't want to get into Certainly. between him and SFI. Yeah, no, I think I think I mean most of the community are, are privy to at least the precursory nature of that. My concern is that what we're trying to do with Biota is actually, and I've done this quite explicitly with Steve Grand over a number of months, reinforce the fact that this is a new contemporary, uh, not necessarily historically polluted project. What we're trying to do here is motivate, um, you know, the likes of. Uh, you know, Virgil Griffith, the next generation, the folk that you saw as, as undergraduates and graduates as, at A-Life 10 of 11 to become part of the discussion. And we need to have a coherent view of the history. I had correspondence today with Carl Sims, actually, in that light. And I think the, the need is, in some regard, and I do appreciate the nature of these kind of deep-rooted, particularly, you know, Chris Life's work associated with artificial life, the kind of emotion and things attached to it, but nonetheless, if there's going to be a coherent history written, and this is the point that I've made back to Dawkins and his people as well, it would be wonderful to have these people actively, even if they just participate as Steve Grant did with regards to three relatively potted interviews that were very much under Steve's control. I mean, I could certainly offer those to, to Chris and uh, Professor Dawkins without any problem. But I think the need currently is that we have a coherent history it includes the historical legacy, includes what went on in the 90s, which isn't actively represented in Wikipedia, and empowers I say, the... I just looked at Wikipedia while we were uh, talking about it here, and uh, indeed, the only mention of Chris Lankin's name on the entire page is uh, a reference down at the very bottom. Exactly. And, uh, so, I mean, yeah, there, there's a real dearth of information about the origins of the field. That's not really... Uh, it's not appropriate. I think you're, you're right. That could really use some editing there. Hmm. But it would also, I mean, I think it also requires people like uh, Chris Langton and Richard Dawkins, if they don't, you know, if they're not regular callers into Biota Live, to at least participate in the kind of oral history component of what I'm trying to do with these podcasts. And certainly I've made this point quite strongly back to Professor Dawkins and his folk, and I think Bruce will go on, on bended knee in order to try and... Uh, you know, reconnect in, in some real sense with regards to Professor Dawkins. But when I was looking at, this will be my fourth year of recording these podcasts come March. And when I'm looking at uh, people that I'd like to participate, even if it is, you know, in a secondary way, even if it is 
someone such as yourself talking with Chris, Larry, or, you know, these kind of passive interactions. It would be wonderful to have some kind of oral history sense associated with these people. Well, for what it's worth, I tried, I, 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 I traded some email with Chris to see about getting him to participate in any fashion that he would choose, including my preference being a, a keynote speaker uh, at um, A Life 10. Uh, because I was a co-organizer for it, I could do that. I'd just ask him, and uh, he he, you know, said thanks, but no thanks. And uh, I, I I'm afraid you're going to get the same response. Uh, I, I think you'll need to send virtual after him. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next generation has a a tenacity that perhaps we lack in some regards. And as you say, no um, sort of no links with the, the 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 bad parts of the past. No bad memories attached. So who knows, maybe. 